Oh, my. Another large crowd. Still a few more days till the festival. Aye, and yet here you are, I'm fire yet again to listen to our adventure. Well, where I'm picking up ain't exactly roses and daisies. Nah, in fact, we had failed. And it were not for trying that our crew did no succeed that night on Lake Feanor. Not that we lost the battle, no, not that. But that we lost something far more important. We failed at protecting our friend, our brother, with a ridiculously long name. Making it hard for funerals and paperwork and the like. You know, you know it costs five gold per letter on a tombstone. <laughs> Let me, Lori, the Hammer Kilgannon, A.K.A. Little Ori, Harbinger of Death, <laughs> ran us a pretty penny. Uh, no matter now. Roddy, he, he were the best of us. <laughs> the rowdiest. And after that, there would always be a hollow ring to our name. A void which could never be filled. And sure, it made us stronger, set us on a new trajectory with vengeance in our blood. The need to hunt down that black-hearted bastard Captain Brimcorin, who sent that wretched kraken against us, set fire to our will and resolve to our path. Yeah. Stirs me inside thinking about it even now. But in all honesty, the story was about something greater than that. Greater than revenge. Greater than defeating our enemies. It became about remembering who he was, what he did. What he taught us. Making sure that the world would know it. All the while, grieving alongside each other and those who loved him. And to top things off, Telnius went and got himself killed. I mean, really, the nerve to try and one-up Rory's death with his own. Bunch of foolishness it were, running away from the crew, trying to find Finn on his own, and instead landing right into the palm of Antithesla. Or, should I say, Drysta- I mean, Dristain- Pupkin. Aye, 
which were a shock to most, <laughs> that the king's brother were a live and elected bishop. But wait until they get a load of this. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I can see the concern on your faces. It looks ugly, it does. <laughs> oh, but about Telnius. Now he were dead. Aye, that were true. But, um... There's, uh, something about him that you should know. And to, to tell that story, we'll have to go back to when it all started. The first chapter of a grander tale. Back to the beginning of it all. Telnius, after you watch Rory walk through the doorway, you feel as if the ground beneath you simply vanishes, and you are falling backwards into a dark, abyssal womb. There is a strange coldness, and energy seems to be swelling all around you. The potential of life into death, and death into life. Suddenly, you are traveling at an imperceptible speed, yet you feel a comfort and control amongst the chaos. Flying with the stars and cosmos, you perceive an implied purpose to your movement. I'm heading towards something, some grand design. I am to discover a place that I can make home. It is just there, in the distance, that pale blue dot, one more star to pass. A planet, a watery surface held together by a central mass, one I can use to mold something. A, a new, new living, living dirt. dirt. Yes, it isn't yet, but I have made it. I have lived it. I know exactly where I need to go and what I need to do. But I am not me, and it has not happened yet. A creator steeped in mystery approaches their domain. The heat of the star is just far enough to support my creation. This is it. As a comet's streak, the creator falls through the naturally formed atmosphere, falling from an iridescent sky, falling into the depths of the waters. They are not slowed. Their descent must reach the core. Through the empty waters, I dive into the molten rock. You are at the core of existence. The one to bring about everything. There in the core, you feel the heat of the sun, but it lies dormant, ready with potential energy. 
but I am not alone. You sense other creators inside the core. They were sent here, same as you. Many, yet one. I know not to disturb them, to stay within my hemisphere. They have their work, and I have mine. I rise like a geyser and erupt to the surface. Lava flows at my command. I hatch from my Amorite shell. The sky metal, called Amorite, which all creators are born from. The waters steam and transform the lava. You create land. They will call this Barda. And this volcano was the vessel through which I was born. Karvakoi. The The life life womb. Black sand and obsidian rock juxtaposed against green grass and moss. There are other places, though, much larger. This is but an island. I have also made nations. Yes, but first you must cultivate this place. Fill it with something, for it is empty. It was all empty. Ex nihilo, out of nothing, out of oblivion. I spend countless years breathing life. The first use of magics. When you have made the animals, fish, and birds, yet you still feel alone. Yes, I will use the pink marble and create the elves. They tend the land. They are created in your image. Their lives will be long, though not eternal. I am eternal. The The architect. The elves build homes and grow food. Tend the creatures you have brought about. Life begins and it is beautiful. I have more to do. I must fill the other lands. But you do not wish to leave this island. The elves, they are your creation. And you wish to tend them as they tend their flocks and gardens. I will make others like me, creators, but different from me, made to make their own creations. Gods to rule over that which they beget. I am Juneo, the Eternal Son. I bring life and joy to this world. I am Nyx, the Moonface. I bring beauty into the darkest wilderness. The gods of time, the eternal day and night. Their love empowers the cycle, and yet they are kept separate by dawn and dusk. I am Bercona, the joy spirit. In spring I bring life out of death. From the waters I birth new creations. I am Burek, the Harvester. In autumn, I bring about change and reap goodness from the land. From the earth, I give sustenance. I am Brenna, the Horse Lord. In summer, I bring vitality to the lives of my followers. With fire, we fly. I am Nordi, the Frostlight. In winter, I bring the end of things. 
coldness at the sun's setting. From the wind, I breathe wonder. The gods of seasons, the dramatic change of life into death, back into life. Theirs is the balance of elements, boundless in its power and immensely dangerous. I am the Elder Bear, Nature's Fury. I protect the weak and unleash rage upon my prey. I am the Elder Elk, the kind sacrifice. Out of my perceived weakness, I provide for the Earth. Gods of beasts, the hunters and the prey. The ability to give or take life with only their bodies. These are the eight created, made to beget generations of beings. And so they do. Yes, the Diaspa. I will send the gods of beast and season to the east. Verahim. I will send the gods of time to the south. Trayland. You will produce the Yenna seeds. That will keep the lands connected. The gods plant them amongst their lands. One will remain here in Barda. The first world vein, Enna Amrana Ta. The elves will call it Ambarant. And the humans, the elder trees. The gods disperse and create their beings. Marvelous creatures made with awe and inspiration. The first creations each with their land's unique creation components. I, the Elder Bear, will use bone to make my creatures. I, the Elder Elk, will use sinew to weave my creations. I, Nordy, God of Winter, will use the topaz stone to make my humans. I, Brenna, Lord of Summer, will use diamond to make my beings. I, Burdick, God of Autumn, will use the bloodstone to forge my people. I, Bergona, Lady of Spring, will use pearl to make my humans. I, Nyx, Queen of the Night, will use emerald to make the Fae and the Wood Elf. I, Juneo, King of the day, will use gold to make my humans, amber to craft the halflings, and the cragheart to form the orc and dwarves. A joyful creator Juneo was, curious and fearless. Until the dwarves and orc fought beneath the crags. Jealous siblings. I will be disheartened and go to the life womb the volcano from which I was born. There I find more amorite, my sky metal shell. You take it to your tower in Barda and create your apprentice, Bartom. He will help guide the troubled souls of the southern islands. Juneo left his sword with the High Lords. Victor, a first creation, he will betray his god slaying both Nyx and Juneo with Heart Cleaver. And so, the first Demon Lord 
is created. Karnas. Their deaths inflict you. The Enna can no longer sustain travel between the Elder Trees. An abyssal mark appears at my chest, growing as the gods of Verahim wage war. In Verahim, Nordi slays Birkona, Brenna, and Birek, increasing his power. Isvanya will slay him and become a goddess, inflicting herself with his evil. So much death and carnage. Jealousy and rage. Power and greed. We We are are withering. The deaths of our created gods accelerates the virus. We now become ash and go to join the ash of our volcano. Life Life to death, death, death death to to life. life. The cycle will happen again, though our powers will be greatly limited. Thesla. And once we return to Ash, the cycle begins again, and my third name will be... Telnius? Telnius, can you hear me? Telnius, can you hear me? A fireplace burns nearby and your eyelids flutter open. Your vision is still muddled. Your toes twitch ever so slightly as you regain control over your extremities. Then your left hand fingers move. And to your surprise, your right hand fingers flex suddenly making a fist. Your eyes go wide open and you gasp as if breathing for the first time. <gasps> Telnius, a voice cracks into your ears past the ringing. Can you, can you hear me? Barton? A figure hobbles over to you from a table. His shimmering robes reflect the dancing firelight. Leaning hard on a cane, you watch the elven wizard approach. Um, Yes, be careful. You've just been through a drastic transformation. Uh, Let me help you up. I put my hand on my head and my right hand on my head. And then immediately after putting my right hand on my head, I pull it away and look at it and just flex my hand and fingers and clap and you know <laughs> just start moving my hand i'm mm. pheno- I, I this is phenomenal like my my hand yes i wish that i could have kept your former self as intact as possible but the transformation called for something 
drastic in order to bring you back. Yeah, there's really a number done on you, Telnius. I'm glad to see you awake. Well, Bartom, thank you. Thank you. And I lock eyes with him and put my hand on his shoulder. It is very good to see you. And you as well, old friend. And I put my hand on the back of his head and uh, push our foreheads together. He just smiles as your foreheads touch. After helping you sit up, you begin to get your vision back as the rustic room takes form around you. There are dirt floors and wooden beams, a web of roots hanging above your head, with dozens of fireflies crawling along the root system, providing extra illumination. They give the ceiling a galactic look, and you realize there is no natural light in this room. Drying herbs hang from those root rafters. On the fireplace mantle is a line of tomes with two pink marble bookends in the shapes of Barden Elvish warriors. To the left is a spiral staircase made of roots that leads upward. Near it is a series of shelves all lined with potions and components, alchemy sets and tools. Behind you is a raised bed of dirt with a series of mushroom logs. Some grow white and gray while others are colorful and a few radiate with a mysterious luminescence. Across from you, to your right, is a large desk with a myriad of drawers and shelves above. The desk is a mess of parchment, inkwells, and quills. A multitude of gemstones, rocks, and minerals cover nearly every surface, all different blazing and dull colors, different sizes and shapes. An oil lamp sends shimmering light through a rough-hewn diamond beside it. There is a feeling of great power and magics coming from this side of the room. I want to go investigate it, but... Um... Yeah, just give me an arcana check from where you're at. Okay. First roll of season four. Yeah, first roll, pretty solid. Arcana, 23. Nice. There is an immense power emanating off the small piece of stone. You recognize it as a piece of amorite. Oh, okay. The rarest of sky metals. A piece of the shell of your cosmic creation. So I uh, walk up to it, and when I touch it, um, a flash of the uh, lit- liturgy kind of comes over me and I remember Mm. that I had a hand in the creation that I was a part of the creation and I look at Bartolm and I say Bartolm wait did you did I create you (laughs) (laughs) he laughs and and then he coughs a bit <laughs> he leans on his cane. Yes, is a it is an interesting cycle we have been through. You have created me, and now I have in part recreated you. It is strange, but 
Brad Oveen, it is good to have you here as well. Bartom, thank you. This circle, this cycle, truly, it speaks volumes to... I don't know. I don't know what I don't want to say right here. You can um, also just be speechless. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'll be speechless. Cool. Okay. Here's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Telnius, you have absorbed the memories of your former life as Radovin or Radovein, but whenever you try to pull from your second life as Thesla, nothing comes. Your memories of Radovin and your creation are all a millennia of experiences, but you remember them as if they were a moment, a fleeting moment, like a long book you read years ago. It would take much concentration to focus on any particular period of your, of Radovin's history. Um, I put my head in my hand I attempt to remember the importance of this and I say to Bartolm I I can remember Radovin vaguely but I'm drawing a blank as Thesla what what is this Telnius please you are still weak in body and as he says this, suddenly the exhaustion uh, sets over you, and he Ugh. he wasn't able to like catch up to you, and you you might even need to like put a hand on the desk that you've walked up to. Oh, um, yes, I I think it's time I sit down. Yes, come back over here, and he actually hobbles over to you and lets you put an arm over his shoulder as he leads you back to that table at the center of the room, and. As you sit on it, he says, I, I too have been weakened by your passings. Um, I have used my remaining power to revive you now twice. I could do it these few times because you were still human just as you were when you were Thesla, but now you are something more, something greater than what I could have imagined. You are a miracle. Bartom, again, I, I put my forehead against his forehead. Thank you to think that you would do this for me. I don't deserve it. And I think you're right. And I look at my right hand, flexing my fingers and looking at the back of it. And um, I notice that my skin color even is different hued. And I say, can I... A mirror. Do you, do you have a mirror? Uh, yes, somewhere on... The shelf. He hobbles over to the shelf, and after looking around for, like, a little bit of an uncomfortable amount of time. <laughs> ah, he has one. He has one now. And he, <gasps> yeah, he brings it over, blowing. 
the dust from it, and he hands you just a small silver ornate mirror. All right. Um, I look at, at the mirror, and the first thing I notice are my eyes. Um, the room is dark, you know, it's or darker. The light in here is is all unnatural, and I notice that in my eyes that I remember being brown previously. You now see blue, vibrantly bright blue eyes with star flecks of gold um, kind of like glittered throughout. They're, they're standard, you know, white eyes, vibrantly blue iris and speckled gold um, galaxies throughout. Mm. But in the candlelight, in, in the light, they almost seem to glow br- vibrantly blue and gold. Hmm. Bartolm just kind of slowly watches over you as you re-familiarize yourself with yourself. Yeah, and I, I put my hand up to my face, and I touch it, and, you know, I'm, like, feeling around, because my face still looks like me, but it's a little bit different. It's almost a little more angular, and um, it has this not necessarily youth to it, but agelessness mm-hmm. that you kind of have to like squint your eyes and can't tell if I'm, you know, thirty years old or fifty years old. Yeah, like you can't quite tell how old I am. And I imagine your hair moves almost like a PS Five animation you know how like you move your head and then your hair kind of moves around you (laughs) almost in this like slow motion it almost feels weight your curly hair feels weightless on your head yeah like like it's uh like i i'm floating in water and my hair is moving as if it's in water but you know yes it's just in air you know bartom says uh yes it will take some getting used to but this is this is what was necessary, this physical change, in order to be more in tune with your celestial self. I, I'm sure you have many questions for me um, as to the mystery of your first uh, awakening as Telnius. Um, I will say it was far less difficult to create you as a a newborn baby than to completely reawaken and make in tune your uh, the body that was given to me oh I can I can only imagine Bartolm maybe you should sit down too (laughs) I don't believe we have time for that unfortunately as you can see, your your deaths did a number on me, actually. And he begins to open his robe to reveal his chest. As he does, suddenly you realize the black that was on his neck was not shadows cast by the firelight, but the same abyssal darkness that once grew upon the chest overtaking the body of Radovine now grows on Bartolm. 
Ayas. There is a light drizzle as you walk through your home forest. The smells of the earth swell and ebb in waves of soft breezes. At times, fresh life, and at others, enduring decay. Tolka, tried and true, grazes and slowly follows behind you. You notice the lush green of spring is featured through every color in the form of flowers and creatures that you see. This is the first time you've witnessed your home forest with memory of this now recovered sight. My eyes are very watery as I'm just thinking about everything that's led up to this. And I now have my sight back. My friend is for sure gone. And it is just weighing on me heavily. But I think to all my other friends, as I think of their memory and how I'd like to progress, and then I think back to her and how much I miss her. You find yourself now as you walk at a crossroads after your day of wandering. Perhaps the pace of walking puts your mind at ease as you await the news of Telnius's recovery. You could turn south now and be back at the cottage in a few hours, or you could head north, deeper into the Norholman forests. As I look both ways, I close my eyes, and I wait for the wind, as I feel a breeze brushing through the forest. I open my eyes again and I look back towards the cottage. But I know my friend is in good hands. And I need to think about a lot more. And I turn and I start walking northway. A small iridescent dragonfly buzzes in front of you. It hovers expectantly. Shimmers of green and blue, purple, almost interchanging. Something about it feels familiar. I reach my open palm out. Roll me a animal handling and take advantage because you are in your home forest. Thirteen. The dragonfly suddenly buzzes backward further north. As you keep your hand held out, though, it slowly flies closer and lands in your open palm. As I look at this dragonfly in my hand, I look down at my arms, and I've torn both of my sleeves off since the last battle, and I look down at my left arm, and with a deep sigh, I say, 
Ikoden in Transwood, Ukanjan Tifu Grado. The once invisible vines on your left arm glow. The feeling of comfort and warmth knowing that you are close to where the Fae began. It comforts you. All the worries and anxieties feel like they are being washed by a downpour, starting with the top of your head to your shoulders, through your knees and out your feet, as if roots are growing and connecting you to this land. You open your eyes, and the dragonfly has lifted into the air and begins to almost lead you further north. And I follow. Give me a survival check as this dragonfly has zipped away. Twelve. You start running and feel that your feet cannot carry you fast enough. It's almost like the feeling of that washing over you made your legs heavy. Suddenly you hear a and Tolka has bowed its head and lifted you onto its back. And you are now riding northerly, following the dragonfly. That's so cool. Continue in this way, sometimes uh, zipping left, zipping right, following this dragonfly. The woods break open to a large grassy field. As you are riding through, the sun breaks through the overcast. The rain still comes down. You see a large rainbow bow across the sky. And the sense of being home overwhelms you. You look forward again to watch as this firefly continues north into another part of the forest. As you go deeper for about 15 or 20 minutes, kind of riding in this very free way, uh, what's on Ayas's mind as he's following this dragonfly? As I see the beauty of the forest and the rainbow and everything that's going on and I'm feeling the wind against my face, I just am focusing on how good it is to be home and to be where I know things are good. Plus, everyone here already knows that you're the champion. And I'm, <laughs> I'm the best one here. Yeah, and right. you don't have to say it every yeah. time. There's no one, yeah, there's you're no like, one better it's than It's good me. to be the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad I'm back in this place where I know I'm just the fucking most badass Finally. motherfucker. <laughs> you know how annoying it is telling everybody how great I am? <laughs> Finally, they'll just know. As you continue northerly on Tolka, uh, can you describe for our listeners what Tolka looks like again? Tolka is a mainly black stallion, a younger horse, a, a horse that has flecks of white kind of up the neck, but really most securely he's got white as a band across his eyes. I connected with this horse simply because 
I myself has a band of scarring across my eyes. And now with my emerald eyes and little bits of blue in the scar up my left side of my forehead, um, I really connected with this horse and we had a moment. Yeah. And being in these forests, Tolka feels freer, uh, less anxious, you've realized, than traveling on ship, being in Penton amongst the city. Out here in the forest, Tolka feels free. You continue to ride, and suddenly you realize where it is you are being led. The forest around you looks familiar in a sense of you've been led here before. (laughs) Suddenly, the buzzing of the dragonfly, it slows. It's less straightforward, zipping left and right, and more kind of hovering slowly as it reaches a collection of aspen trees trees with white bark and black marks across it. A few of them, though, quite a few, seem to have fallen and are decomposing amongst the grass and the dirt. Give me one more survival check as you enter this collection of aspen trees. Thirteen. You realize that the ones that have fallen were burned and fell with the fire. The others, you realize, were charred, but have at least healed enough to continue growing and did not fall. But something about this puts your renewed mind back into unease. <sighs> Tolka, too, you can sense their shoulders begin to tense as they more slowly take each next hoof forward. Then you see it through the break of aspen trees. The dark corpse of the elder tree you once visited as a child, with Bartolm leading you by your side. The dragonfly buzzes and lands on the charred bark. It too has succumbed to the flames. The tree on this small grassy hill is little more than an overgrown stump and sits silently, much like the elder tree you found in Aurora before restoring it. No. How could this have happened? Do you dismount and approach? Yes. Give me an arcana check. Zero. You have no idea who could have done this, how this could have happened. You are distraught. (laughs) This forces a a block on your mind. Any type of knowledge of spells or or natural ability, you you suddenly feel blocked in, in knowing what could have happened to this tree. Give me a perception check now. 19. You hear... Something strange. The dragonfly continues kind of crawling left and right amongst the charred bark. But from behind, on the northerly side of what remains of the elder tree, you hear the singing of a young boy. There's a mean lady who lives in town. She doesn't like me anyhow. Stole milk out from her own cow. 
That I called her name Steering Around. <laughs> you there. <gasps> the boys stand startled as you walk to the northern side of the tree. Sitting on the ground, leaning against the elder tree, is a young elven boy. His silver-blue ethereal spirit bobs along to the tune while whittling a small stick. He stands, though. As he throws the knife and stick, they disappear in midair. He says, Who, who are you? My name is Ayas. From the Sandalwood. What are you doing out here? It's dangerous. Um, I'm... I'm of the ancestors, here to protect this tree. And you can tell, like, you're maybe the first sentient <laughs> being to come out this way, this far. And he puts his hands on his hips, and he stands as if guarding. The Sandalwood are a mighty tribe. You are welcome here, but are you here to hurt the tree? And I walk up and I knock on the trunk. What are you protecting it from? <gasps> As you, like, knock, uh, he gasps. Uh, well, there was an attack. Please be careful. What remains is very fragile. As you pull your knuckles away, there is a little bit of, like, ash you know, left that you brush off and he, you can see his hand go over that part and a small light goes over and, and the charred bark seems to go back to before you touched it. What are you doing here? Are you trying to help this tree? This tree is dead. Yes, it can no longer hold the rest of the ancestors. Its magic has dwindled only to what remains in the roots. It is very weak, but I'm here to make sure that nobody does any further harm. No more like what he did. And his face kind of contorts and he looks away. He who? He looks back up at you. The one. The one they call Brim. The pirate man. He came here. He burned this tree with his own breath. Breath like a dragon. But pink almost. Of course. It could only have been him. This must have been what Janessa and them faced. Janessa? Yes. She was part of the four that tried to help. They tried to take the dagger before he took it. Um, Janessa, and there was an elven lady's, um, Selvi, um, and another elf named Silen and Kila. Yeah, they were here to help, um, but they couldn't. And he, like, rushes over to the front of the tree. He's pointing at a knot in the tree, an opening. He says, but they were, well, they weren't too late, but... Brim's forces, they were too powerful. And the ancestors, and he points at the ground, they fell here, and it was a terrible day. Yes, that would sound like a terrible day for sure. But why are you here? What well, kind of protection can you give to a dying stump? Well, 
my name's Levi. And he pulls out a sword. <gasps> he says, the ancestors, because I was new, they tasked me with staying with the tree. The tree doesn't have enough power to hold any of the other ancestors. They're too old and powerful. But I, I am young, and like a young sprig of a branch. And I am not afraid to use this. And he puts the sword up toward you. <laughs> You're very brave. But I assure you, I mean you no harm. And he slowly sheathes the ethereal blade. You. You have a very powerful blade. I can see the glow from it from here. Yes. This is an artifact of the gods. And I unsheathe Vanessa. And I wield it high. It's beautiful. I lower it and I hold it in my hands forward, resting upon my fingertips. Amazing. Where did you find this? I found this in the lands to the far east. Varahim, they call it. Are those the new lands? It is. Some of the elves tell tales. How there are elves there, too. There are. Many. Are they nice? They're nice now. At that, he kind of contorts his face again, not sure how to respond. Um, well, sir, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm here to protect this tree, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know what else to do other than tell you that the ancestors and the spirits been deeply saddened of late. Saddened at what? Well, many of the Fae have left these lands. The spirits are weaker than ever. And recently a storm has caused a great disturbance. I only hear small words what the roots will tell me, what the spirits and the ancestors will pass on bits and pieces, but these are scary times, and I must say, if you are here in these forests and are a friend of them, you must be careful. Aye, I will, but the Fae left over twenty years ago. What storm are you referring to? The storm's much newer than the Fae leaving. Something new, something strange, that not even the spirits or the ancestors know how to describe. It's further to the south. I do not know any more than that. Well, Levi, it was nice meeting you. I must be on my way. You take good care of this tree. I, I will, sir. And give me one uh, either perception or investigation as you leave. Twelve. With a 12... Oh. oh. Did you roll advantage, by the way? I did not. Should I? Mm-hmm. Okay. 12. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, your emotions are heightened. Um, so you just know it will take a mass amount of natural magic 
to heal this tree, mm -hmm. if even possible. Something you would not be able to do here and now. Mm-hmm. Is this, is that, is the, so that I understand, and, you know, maybe we don't have to explain this, but is the, the kid Levi, uh, directly tied to the tree? So if the tree dies, Levi dies? No. No, because he has, um, he's, uh, undergone the ritual to join the ancestors. So he won't mm. die, but he is at the moment guarding this specific tree. Hmm. Yeah. So it's not a dryad situation. Mm, okay. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's more ancestral than, than okay. that. It's more ritualistic. Okay. Uh, almost as if coming from the ethereal realm rather than uh, like the fey realm or okay. the, the okay, material okay, okay. realm. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. almost like a Abram situation yeah. where it's like if... If the Valorous oh, Scoundrel was destroyed, gotcha. Abram wouldn't be destroyed. Right, but he is, but tied he is to, bound to it. it. Um, yeah. uh, in a sense, yeah. Okay, out cool. of out of a duty in right. a way. Um, so Levi says, "Well, may the wisdom of Nyx and the strength of our ancestors bless you as you go from this place." And he bows deeply to you. And to you, Levi. Safe travels. <laughs> I don't get to travel much more now, but thank you. Same to you. Hmm. And maybe, maybe keep a better eye out and don't sing so much so loudly. At this, his ethereal, uh, ghostly spirit, I guess like Janessa would go purplish at the face. Yeah. <laughs> Blushes. <laughs> Blushing. Yeah. Yes, sir, of course. I will... I will keep vigilant watch to make sure no intruders will further harm the Amberant. And he bows again. And I bow to him. And then I mount Tolka and I head back to the cottage. Hey, uh, welcome back to Chasm Quest. I don't have a lot of time but i wanted to say thank you for waiting it out uh during our interim time uh, uh, uh season four is here it's gonna be awesome and sorry i'm a little distracted i i, I paid a back alley wizard to open a portal to the fey realm uh, and I did that because, um, in case you forgot, I've been trapped at the Goose's Gourd Tavern trying to find Taylor. But I learned that he done got yeeted into the Fey Realm by a pixie bro. So, it has become my job, uh, maybe even uh, my quest, to find him and uh, uh, save him. Hey, hey, wizard guy? Yeah? H how's the portal coming? Stop disturbing my work. The more you talk, the more you pay. Oh, okay. Well, while that portal is cooking, I should update you on a few things. First of all, the Rowdy Boys are back. With every other week release schedule, uh, season four is massive, so we are here to stay for a while. And uh, if you become a patron... Uh, you get early access to episodes, bonus episodes, and our annual merch loot. 
And that being said, this July, we so celebrated our four-year anniversary, which is bonkers. We've been doing this stuff for four years uh, uh, as, a, as a released podcast into the world. Um, so right now, we're working on assembling our merch to send out to patrons at $10 and above. Patrons, you can expect that package from us by the end of the summer. We also did a little bonus thing if you were able to guess Uh, who the image was of the bonus art that we put out on patreon.com slash chasmquest you get a little bonus package so a few of you have let us know if you have not yet done that go ahead and send us a message a dm on patreon or on discord either me or taylor is fine uh and and let us know your your guess at at who that image is of so that you can get a bonus item in your merch loop all right, if you want to join our uh, rowdy crew, head over to patreon.com slash chasmquest and uh, come play some D&D with us, listen to some Goose's Gourd, some Lock Island Adventures, uh, some audio dramas with Detective Silver, and uh, um, join our great community. These people who we just want to thank so much. So Stabby Quest, Amber, Targa, Steven, Chiana, Noah, Brandon, Megan, Jenna, Gabby, Kiari, Anna, Julia, Mets Girl, Daniel, Cassifras, L. Ann, Marlon, Ray, Sarah, Spencer, Irene, and Matt. Thank you all for being patrons and supporting our show. You're basically our producers. You make this thing a reality, and and that's that's amazing to us you you help us pay for equipment you help us pay to keep the podcast loaded online and keep our website running as uh, professionally as it looks now so thank you so much for your support we also have a fan-led discord Uh, we have merch for sale on etsy we have maps and wiki and more you can find all of that at chasmquest.com you also will find their links to our social medias, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also search us at ChasmQuest. Rumor has it that we might join you nerds on the Clock app, so uh, more info on that to come. Lastly, to all of you who have written reviews for us on Apple Podcasts and other podcatchers, we cannot thank you enough for your sacrifice to the algorithm gods in our favor if you have yet to write a review for us please pause the show and go do so now in fact you don't even have to pause the show i don't know why i said that but just go do so just uh find our show and and click write a review it takes literal seconds and you not only have our eternal thanks and a shout out here on the pod I feel like the universe will also give you some karma for that day. So uh, go ahead and do that. Thank you to those who have written reviews during our interim. Stephen P. here in the States who says that we have humor and in-depth storytelling skills. I cannot thank you enough. That's really sweet to say. Uh, Also, shout out to Elena who said, just amazing. Thank you for this quest. It's such a great story. Love from France bonjour thank you so much uh huge thanks to our international listeners it's crazy to think that our little homebrew story reaches folks all around the world hey hey creep your portal's almost ready when it flashes you got six seconds to jump through
Okay, that's an oddly specific amount of time, but okay, sounds good. Abracadabra, alakazoo, send this simp to Faerum as portals do. Oh, uh, I gotta go, but I kind of forgot to do the ad read. Um, oh, Colin gave me the sending stone. Here, listen to this while I enter this wizard's portal. Uh, that sounded weird. Hurry, it's closing. Okay, love you, bye-bye. After a long day at sea, you all, Telnius, Kalun, and Ayas, are finally ready to rest. I only need four hours. Ayas only needs four, only hours, needs to four meditate. hours to meditate. Yeah, that. Okay, well, you're all getting ready for bed slash meditation. Do any of you have anything you want to do before we move on? Uh, yeah, actually, I've got a routine. Wait, you've got a getting ready for bed routine for Kalun? Yeah, of course. Don't you for Telnius? Um, I guess I skipped that part of character creation. Uh, but against my better judgment, I guess Telnius goes with Kalun. Call it morbid curiosity. Ayas is also morbidly curious and simultaneously glad he can't see. He'll go too. Okay, didn't plan for this. Um, we'll say Rory's asleep and the three of you continue with whatever Kalun's bedtime routine is. Let me paint you all a picture. Imagine, if you will, shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer. Oh, is that a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer? Aye, it sure is. I bet it's made shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Even more than a good poo. Bet. What? the hell is happening right I'm now? I'm even one of the first people ever to try the lawnmower 4.0. Wow, talk about a level up. Wait, wait, wait. This, this sounds scripted. What's what's happening? The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are definitely next level. I remember when I nearly shaved my balls clean off with a kitchen knife just trying to clean up a bit around the boys. Yeah. I, I'm sure we've all done something like that, right? Uh, um, sure, Tilly. Yeah, but yeah. Um. Anyway, this looks like I can stay trimmed without all the worry. Uh, I. I bet that Manscaped put most of their stats and in intelligence because the 4.0 looks really functional as well as comfortable. Yup, they engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer, so people like Tilnius can feel more confident shaving his dingle a bits. Okay, did you guys get sponsored and not tell me like? What is happening right now? Am, am I dreaming? We're trying to do a recording. Hey, here. Leon, get in here. You got to see this. Whoa, is that Manscaped's new upgraded trimmer, which includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock that also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave? How are you doing this? Yep, Kalum was just telling us all about it. Are those additional guard links to customize your trim? Aye, four of them. Do you need to expend a spell slot to charge it? Nope. It charges wirelessly. What does that mean? Uh -huh. 
Look, that travel lock is important. You don't want to be traveling through Westwick and suddenly your bag starts vibrating, all right? You get some weird looks. Uh, but it sounds like it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. With the Rowdy Boys, if you want. Seriously, how are, are you doing that? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Rowdy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code Rowdy. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. <laughs> your balls will thank you? What is this? Telnius, although you find it hard to stand after some stretching and a long draft of Bartholm's tea, you begin to feel yourself restored. Maybe you shift your neck left and right, bring your arm over your head, let stretch, stretch, feel some pops. Ooh, Ooh yeah. And you begin to take some deeper breaths. You realize... Your breaths had been shallow up till now. It's almost like it's taking a concentration in order to stay in this moment and not be taken away by your thoughts and the new memories that have flooded your mind, your newly shaped mind. Bartholm just described how it was easier to create your uh, infant state rather than rebirth you and had revealed his own growing illness. He's now given you some time uh, to process. So you're welcome to... I start uh, I start humming Be Here Now by Mason Jennings just to kind of like <laughs> get in my, the right headspace, you know? Like, Be here now. Nice. Yeah. And uh, Bartom had gone up to get you a second cup of tea so just as you finish this cup you're down in this almost underground lab underground uh creation space is there anything that catches your eye that you wish to further investigate yeah i want to go check out that um regent's table or the table where i saw the uh, glimmering diamond or rough rough hewn diamond yeah so you go back over to this table and you see a collection. The main collection is of uh, a, a group of emeralds. To the right, there's a, about three pearls. There are some ruby, red ruby uh, stones. And, of course, the rough-hewn diamonds that are kind of reflecting the light. I imagine Telnius kind of picking it up. Mm-hmm. And just the lights, the, the prism of, of lights dancing along the walls from the oil lamp i i remember uh i remember previously coming into his uh hut and seeing these stones but they were under lock and key in a glass case previously um remind me are these separate stones or is that case um i am i not in that same room this is a different room okay yeah this is a, a room you've never been in okay. in his cottage you imagine that spiral staircase will take you back up okay. into that area where perhaps that um, that case that would be. Okay. Uh, so these seem different, and you actually see 
some of the wall space is dedicated to growing certain stones. Oh, wow. Uh, so you see amethyst being grown and a few other gemstones. Uh, it, it looks like it's difficult, painstakingly slow work, but it seems like Bartholm has taken up the further investigation of the the innate power of these stones from the earth and from the okay. sea and, and from wherever. Um, yeah, the, the, the main one, though, uh, the one that drew your attention to begin with, the one that forced you to get off of the table in the middle and walk over, is that small piece of amorite, the power that was going from it. So I imagine as, as you put that diamond down, your vision goes to the center of the table. There... There are some pieces of parchment around it with some arcane writings. In the middle of that table, you see this amorite. It is a white stone, specks of black and gold throughout it. Sometimes when you hold it, there is that iridescent glimmer of just different colors, of all sorts of colors going through it. This is a very powerful sky metal. I, uh, I pick it up and I start pouring over it with my fingers, feeling every edge and every crevice, watching the light dance across its edges. And the thought comes to you, how strange that such a small stone once beget the gods of this world, and how you were the one to bring them into being with this very stone, to be holding it once again after countless years I uh, kind of grasp the stone I hold it in the palm of my right hand and squeeze I want to use it as a channel for some sort of like a cantrip just to see this will be the first time I cast magic in this new body mm -hmm. I just want to see um, what would happen in an experiment perfect give me first an arcana check okay Okay, so that's a 15. Okay, and what cantrip are you attempting to cast? Yeah, I'm going to cast a prestidigitation is what I'm going to cast. Perfect. With a 15, you feel a pulse of energy come from the amorite in your right hand. Your left hand, you are able to cast this spell. And all I want to happen is a small kind of puff of of uh, fire to come out of the center of my left palm. I want to make a figure of a sing a couple dancing, kind of twirling uh, in my hand. Beautiful. Um, give me a constitution saving throw. Okay. Not good. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, yeah, so that's an eight. Okay. What happens? How this plays out? <laughs> How do you yeah. want to die? <laughs> <laughs> Roll me a death save. Yeah. Um, no, you, you channel this pulse of energy from the Amorite. In your left hand, the two figures appear. Almost a cascade of music swells in your mind as the two dance around in your hand, the flames flying up from their hair and their hands as they twirl each other. It's beautiful for a moment. Suddenly, a guttural growling starts at the back of your mind and the flame begins to burst into a blowtorch on your hand and as you kind of 
get it away from your face and begin to step backwards, you drop uh, the Amorite into the dirt floor. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, tell me, are you okay? Oh, my hand. I... Oh, burned it? I, I... I was just testing that Amorite and cast a simple cantrip of a spell and... Please... Be care- and you can hear that he's exerting himself to get over to you quickly. You can hear the clamor of the tray of tea going on the table as he's using his cane to quickly come to your side and grab your arm as he gets to you. And he says, what, what happened? Uh, what did you use? Bartom, I'm, I'm sorry. I, uh, Your hand, it's, it's okay. As he grabs it with, with his left hand and opens it up. I, I saw it. So it is okay. Do not worry. And you must understand these stones, they have much power. And the one you held, and he points down into the dirt at the Amorite stone, that one holds the most. That was foolish of me, Bartom. I'm sorry. It is okay. You look pale. Please. Take a seat once more. I know you yes. are sick of resting already, but I can see that took it out of you. And, uh, yeah, I do. I slump down on the table, um, and mm. I, like, glare at the Amorite. <laughs> yeah. And he, he leans down, holding onto his cane, and he picks it up out of the dirt. He holds it, and he says, This, this stone, <laughs> amazing what it can do was two pounds heavier before I well, brought you back here to be with us. That that was two pounds heavier. It's it's a mere pebble now. Yes. A mere fraction of the power that it takes to create with such stone. Why only the gods can use these gemstones to wield such power. Amazing a mystery and yet understood beautiful they are yes you you are looking a bit um pale do you need any here drink some more of this tea and um perhaps i can answer more questions about the stones here yeah yes um okay thank you and i take a, a big slizzerp getting slizzy after drinking this tea you can tell after the first drink you thought well surely this is just tea making me feel better but this time there it feels almost like it feels as if you have taken a night's rest after drinking this tea and i like look at it oh barton this this tea this is phenomenal what is this it is a special recipe that helps get me through the day and lets weary travelers rest when they have come so far and maybe have even run into the old vine blights I put outside <laughs> to keep a pest away. Yeah, well, um, thank, thank you. Uh, You're very welcome. <laughs> um, please, can you... Tell me a little bit more about these stones. I mean, obviously, Amorite is the most powerful, but tell me, what what, uh, what is there to know about these, um, these 
stones can can they be used to create other beings? They can, yes, and um, as history has shown us, the gods used these stones in much greater uh, volume than these here now, um, with much greater power than maybe what either of us could wield at the moment. They created entire generations of, of beings, the elves coming about with the pink marble and you know, the people of Verahim coming to light with the topaz and the pearl and the diamond and the bloodstone. And Juneo, he was very active in his time, of course, using gold to create the humans of Treyland and using um, what was it? amber to create the halflings created them out of the need for a good drink. <laughs> and, uh, of course, splitting the Cragheart to make the orcs and the dwarves. I'm sorry, Telnius, I must, I must sit for a bit. Yes, oh, oh please. Uh, Climbing those stairs has taken it out of me. But although we may not have the power to wield and create a human creature here before us now, and he kind of gets a sly smile on his face. He says, there are other things we can do. As you can see, my component shelf, and he points across the way, is filled with many forms of these, whether diamond crushed into dust, or iron, or steel, or silver. Uh, there's more to the magics of, of the world that we live in of Anu, the living dirt around us, it it holds more than what even the gods had time to discover. That is why it was such a loss that the gods feuded and man rose against its creator and, and we lost Radovin. Yes. It's a shame that creation could turn to such Selfishness and peril. But, uh, there is some good that has come from all of this. Here you are before me in a third state. And, and you have some greater potential now. You are, Telnius, more than just the human child I once created here in an attempt to rediscover my former friend. You now truly are an architect. Let, come here, let me show you what you can do. Here, take, take the Amorite back. I apprehensively, you know, accept the Amorite he has held out in front of me. Do not worry, it won't bite you or anything. Okay, well, I mean, it did. <laughs> oh, that was just Never. a trick of the <laughs> eyes, I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Come to the table. Yes. Okay. Now, hold the Amorite in your right hand. Okay. And watch. I will do it with you. And he goes about the table, kind of pushing stuff over. He grabs, like, a, a rough-cut emerald gem around the same size as the, the smaller rock in your hand. Uh, I've been meaning to uh, uh, 
renew this spell for a while. Um, here, we'll create something. Not, not quite a, uh, uh, not quite a being as uh, the humans or the dwarves or the elves, but something that would be uh, helpful to have around. Now, put out your left hand over the table. And Bartholm extends his hand over the, the large desk. And, you know, he's got maybe a foot and a half of space at his side. And you've got around the same amount of space on your side. Yeah, I, I put my hand out um, just kind of watching him and mirroring his actions. Now, begin to imagine a small pair of wings, a lizard head, a small tail. And give me an arcana check first. All right. Okay, that's a 20. Unnatural. That will gain you advantage on your next check. Okay. Make me a constitution saving throw. Okay. So that's 11, 12 constitution. Perfect. You needed 10. Okay. You suddenly feel a a rather low-level spell coming to you Okay. as... Your left hand, you see almost bits of of dust, of smoke almost come out and begin swirling around the table making form. Bartholm's hand is doing the same, although his smoke is maybe more green. Hmm. Give me an insight check. So insight is 15. 15 is exactly what you needed. You realize you're creating a familiar. Nice. That's what I thought. Awesome. In the form of a pseudo-dragon. Ooh. Okay. Bartholm's is green from the emerald, but yours, you feel like there's more options for you. Okay. You may choose the color yeah. of your pseudo-dragon uh, okay, yeah, yeah. <gasps> familiar. I want it to be the same color as my eyes. Like <gasps> a bright, vibrant, almost light blue with flecks of gold throughout it. Oh my god! <laughs> you suddenly see the small dust and smoke emitting from your hands and you can kind of feel pulsing power coming from the amorite you can feel just a small amount of it growing just a little bit smaller in oh, your palm wow. okay yeah as out of your left hand this creation smoke billows out and begins to take the form of that small dragon that can just fit on your on the desk, two of them on the desk, about the size of a of a small cat, you know. Okay. Um, as as I cast the spell, holding my hand out, and this smoke like like uh, galaxy swirls starts billowing out of my fingertips and palm. Um, my eyes start to glow uh, with the the same hue that the familiar. Uh, takes the form of and my eyes when you normally look when when Bartolm normally looks at them they're stagnant or a static um, set gold flex but as mm-hmm. I'm casting the spell the specks start to move and rotate in my eyes oh man like a spinning oh. g- galaxy <laughs> yes the spinning begins in your eyes and you feel in tune almost as if this is what I was made to do and I need you to make an intelligence saving throw. Okay. As you are creating this being. Yes. So that's an 18 intelligence Oh, save. my God. 18 is exactly Hell what yeah. you needed. Yeah. 
the smoke goes from the form of this creature to beginning to move, and you can see it beginning to solidify into leathery wings, scaly neck, and a biting maw, and it begins to look around. What color are its eyes? It'll have white eyes, um, just solid white eyes with a single black pupil. Um, nice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As it wide eye looks around, you look over to Bartholm, who is finishing his creation as well from the emerald, the green smoke billowing out, creating a form, and he begins to laugh with this renewed glee on his face. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's it, Telnius. Perfect. Perfect. And oh, yes, this. This is amazing. Finally, the spell ends. And sitting before you is this small pseudo dragon who looks up to you and locks eyes with you. Hey there. 